Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Flipping the Script with Suzanne. Every podcast, we bring you unscripted, authentic, uncensored conversation of what it takes to thrive as a creative in this changing world. Grab a pen and paper, put in your earbuds, and a cup of coffee if that floats your boat, and let's get ready to turn to the next chapter. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Flipping the Script with Suzanne. And today we have an amazing guy. His name is Jonathan Vargas, and he is an independent filmmaker. His history is very, very interesting. He decided to get involved with storytelling at a very young age using unique tools, which I'm sure he'll share with you. He has a passion for horror and violence films, and he did give a try at romantic comedy, and he has 14 awards on one of his short films. So everybody, please welcome Jonathan. Hi, Jonathan. Hi, Suzanne. How are you? I'm doing really good. All right. So let's start with what amazing thing did you do as a young child that got you decided to do short films? So as a young child, um, I was like about five or six. And growing up, I was introduced to Godzilla films. So I fell in love with just those movies. Like at the time, you know, as a young kid, like you think like, oh my God, is Godzilla real? And then as you grow up, you find out, oh, it's a guy in a suit. But just that imagination, that of what they did at the time, I remember as a kid, like I would just get like my action figures and like my Godzilla toys and I would just create my own little world and try to like make my own little versions of films, but without a camera. But as I got older, I was introduced to other types of films, like especially like Martin Scorsese films like Goodfellas and Casino. Classic. And, th- and yeah, and that's what really influenced me to become a filmmaker. Like Godzilla movies is what made me a fan of cinema. It was Goodfellas that turned me into a filmmaker. Mm. That's an amazing movie. It's kind of one of those movies. It, it's an It's iconic. And um, amazing stars in that film. We learned a lot about actors, learned a lot about it, filmmakers too. But um, it's a great example and a great project to kind of set the foundation or to ignite what is impo- what's exciting for you, and that's filmmaking. But let's get back a little bit to Godzilla. So yes, <laughs> back in the day, Godzilla was a guy in a costume. Now we have you know the CGI and the effects and everything of that nature. Do you appreciate more of that realistic? approach to filmmaking? Does the CGI part of filmmaking interest you? Do you have a a viewpoint on that? Well, I'll tell you this, like, I actually prefer the way they did it back then with the miniatures and the suits. Yeah, at times it's obvious it's a guy in the suit, but for some odd reason, it's nice to see Godzilla in the daytime and the nighttime compared to some of the new ones today where it's very heavy CGI to where it just feels a bit phony to me, Mm -hmm. even though I do think that the new ones today are very good. I do miss that magic of what they did back then because the fact that they were able to build these cities from scratch Mm -hmm. and the fact that they were able to like just come up with these grand ideas and create them from scratch, creating these suits and creating all these, you know, practical special effects. That to me is like a lost art. And I would love for just one day, I, I doubt they'll do it today because of budget, you know, budgetary reasons, but like I would love to see a Godzilla film done like that because I think. Those movies, in my opinion, and a few of them are very goofy, they still hold up to this day because of just how unique they were done. Right. Now, you said something that really made me go, oh, I love that idea. Starting from scratch, um, that is something I think that that maybe artists really can be reminded of is that 
every project or every concept and every idea that you have, although it may have been sparked by something that you watched or something that has historical significance that you saw when you were a young child and it keeps you fueling, every project you do, you're starting from scratch. It's that initial creative spark. And without that, nothing can be created, right? So we are literally starting from scratch with every role that we take on, every project we decide to create, every film, every story. What do you do as a filmmaker that keeps that creative spark flowing so that you can be okay with, okay, so a film comes to an end, right? It's kind of like being on set for two or three weeks as an actor and you're like, you're in this high, you're in this exciting mode and then it's, it's over. And you go home and you come down off the high, or it's like working on planning a wedding for so many years. And then after the wedding is over, that's like, oh, or graduating high school. It's that big, oh, oh my God, I did it. Film is done. It's in the can. Of course, now you're, you're pitching it to film festivals. How do you get the fire back up again to create from scratch once more? I think it's because, as you say, like, it's kind of like, I look at film as like an addiction, it is now my addiction because I'll say it like this, and I've made this very public. Like before I started doing films, like I was very addicted to drugs. Mm. You know, that was kind of like my vice back then. And that was kind of like what was holding me back. And I became complacent because of that. But as I got older, you know, like around my early 20s when I was in college, I realized that I needed to get away from that because I was on a path of self-destruction. So now my drug is filmmaking. And not just, you know, just filmmaking, but also every other aspect from writing, creating, producing, even to the point where I'm trying to learn a little bit of like cinematography and lighting and makeup and art departments. I'm trying like to me, my main thing is every time I do a project, I'm immediately already planning the next one and the next one because I am basically like an adrenaline junkie. Like I'm really just trying to stay on that high because for me, in my opinion, Creating a film, especially being on set, is the ultimate high for me. It is crack, acid, heroin, meth, <laughs> all of that combined. But it's just good juju, good positive vibes. You feel like you're creating something. Because to me, I think all, all filmmakers, not just filmmakers, but also actors as well, we are very unique people. The fact that we're able to take our talent and do something that most people cannot do and just bring it to life is really something very special. And I, I thrive off that. I, I thrive on just being on a set and just creating images that are in my head and just bringing them to life because I have this motto. I mean, there's a dirty version of it, but I'm going to keep it clean. <laughs> okay. My job as a filmmaker is to take this chicken crap and to turn it into chicken salad. That's my job as a filmmaker because, you know, your idea on paper might be eh, but it's your job to bring that magic out there by using your creativity, by improvising, by also just being aware of your surroundings and also your passion. Because this is something that I learned early on. No one's going to care about your projects as much as you do. Absolutely. And if you don't put the effort, the time, let alone like, you know, at least have some ambition or motivation to do it, then what's the point of doing it? Because everybody around you is just going to be looking at you like, well, you're crazy. But you have to prove to them that you're not crazy. Well, actually, you are crazy, but you have to prove to them that your idea actually makes sense and that it's going to go somewhere and it's worth the time and the effort. Because filmmaking, as you know, is very difficult. Like you, ha like, you have to have that passion to continue doing this because, again, it's not easy. But I'll tell you like this in the long run, it's going to pay off. 
Mm-hmm. You know, you touched upon some things that I really want to go back and revisit because I think it's extremely important to have that open dialogue about addictions. And I think that one of the greatest challenges that creatives face is that when they have that desire in their heart to do something and they don't get to do it, it can really mess with your head. It can really take you down into this depressive state where you might need to escape, go to drugs, alcohol, uh, whatever, addictions, video games, whatever, to, to take that away and to give you that high and that rush rather than just looking at yourself and saying, okay, what can I create? Where, where in me do I have that little bit of spark that I can create something? Perhaps it's sitting down and writing. Maybe it is writing a film. Not, not everybody is good at that, but if you can at least write it and get the story out of your head and on paper, that alone can, can unplug that blocked creativity, that flow. And you never know what the universe will bring you. The other thing that I wanted to talk about too, that you brought up was about, um, thinking, you said, creatives are a little crazy or people may think that you're crazy. It's one of our greatest gifts. Yes. And <laughs> they're not going to get it. And, and, oh, this is what you said. And I, you said this and I went, oh my God, I've heard this so many times and I've said it to myself so many times. Nobody cares about your dreams more than you. So when you go to somebody else for that, help me keep my dream alive, go to somebody who gets you. Go to another creative, go to a filmmaker, go to an editor, go to anybody within your industry. You will fuel each other. If you go to grandma or you go to uh, a husband or your wife or a sister or a brother and they are, they are in a traditional career, they may not be that supportive because sometimes they want to keep those creatives safe. Go get a job. <laughs> go find something stable while that's not a bad thing. It's not because you do have to have a sense of stability because that keeps you balanced as well. But they're not going to get what you see. Like I have amazing images of stories and films and ideas and books and characters. And um, I talk in my car when I have characters that start to discuss things and I put my phone on and these characters will go back and forth and that lights me up. Could you imagine... If I had a family member sitting next to me in the car, I went, hold on, just hang on one second, okay? I'm getting ready to have a conversation. I turn on my phone, babble back. They're going to think I'm nuts. Yeah. And But it's that whirlwind of fantasy that keeps me fueled and keeps the storyteller in all of us alive. And that's what this world needs, right? Of course. I don't think we need more of the... the I think we're... We're going to be heading back to the storytelling. Hmm? You think? Like moving away from the, the, the blow you up CGI costuming and all that stuff. While all of that is good eye candy, we've got to get back to stories because that's what moves people. That's what I want to see happening in the world. That's what I'm passionate about. It's like, how can we create a story that moves a person emotionally, spiritually, physically? So that when they walk away from your project, they go, holy shit, something in me just woke up. I don't know what it was, but it's now alive. And you did that. You, the creative, the the actress, the writer, the the filmmaker, we did that. That's what we have to do more in this world, right? I agree because the thing is too, it's just like, and I'm I'm, I'm glad you brought this up too, because I'm noticing it now. Like, I feel like 
that level of storytelling, those personal stories that we used to go to the theater for on the big screens are slowly disappearing. And now they're getting lost in the shuffle with streaming. I feel like that's the one thing that I'm kind of scared of as also a filmmaker is that like, you can have these personal stories, but if you don't have like maybe a touch of like some superheroes or some explosions or a big, big star, you know, they often get lost in the show because here's the thing. And this is also beneficial for me. Filmmaking, especially now, is very easy to do because, listen, you can make a movie off your phone alone. You don't have to have like, you know, a hundred thousand dollar camera set up. You can basically shoot on your camera. But the thing is, now with technology, everyone thinks that they're a filmmaker and everyone is submitting all at the same time. And now the market is oversaturated where sometimes if you don't have the right person or maybe not the right word of mouth, your movie often gets lost in the shuffle. And I I hate that that's happening now because I feel like the major studios are focusing more on reboots, focusing more on franchises. I wish they could find a right balance and promote some of those personal stories because, you know, don't get me wrong. I don't mind watching a Marvel movie, but it would be nice to watch something that doesn't have people flying around for Mm. two hours i would Mm. like to see something different like thankfully there were some good movies this year but i feel like it's starting to dwindle and sometimes it's hard to find those personal stories because they like i said they get lost in the shuffle and i'm hoping as i continue to grow as a filmmaker and hopefully i continue to grow some notoriety i hope my movies don't get lost in the shuffle in terms of like you know the independent status i have because unless if maybe a studio out there wants to help me promote my movies, I I actually like being independent because the one thing that I I really do enjoy, and I hope a lot of filmmakers out there understand how important this is, is the creative freedom. Right. Because, you know, know, I actually have a friend who's worked on some studio films, and he tells me that it's a pain in the ass because he's fighting and arguing with several suits for these ideas that he has, but to them, they see it as just eh, artsy-fartsy boring where it's like, I'm like, man, I want to stick to my creative freedom because I feel like when you have too many chefs in the kitchen, now that piece of meat that you were cooking now tastes like crap. I think it's really important to make sure that when you embark on a project, especially if it's your, if it's your baby, right? It's one that you're writing, you're developing, and you're moving forward with. It's different as an actor when you go and you audition for something and you're hired. But when you are the, the brains and the creativity behind the project, I think it's really important to stay connected to why you're doing it. If you're doing it because maybe potentially you would like a big network to see your artistic ability and bring you on board, recognize the fact that you're going to be giving up some of your independence. You're now owned. It would be the same thing as an actress or an actor on set and you work on, you're on somebody else's project, even though you may want to bring your, your, your feel of the character, ultimately the director's like, no, that's not going to work. And we really need it this way for this part to work. You, you have some freedom, but not a hundred percent. When you're an independent filmmaker, I, I just think that is the most courageous, um, creative field to be in. And this is why it's important to have that balance, right? You have the career on one side to fuel your passion because it's it's a tough way to make a buck, right? But it's a fulfilling way to make a life. right? And that's what we're here to do. In this lifetime, we're here to create the best life we can. And that is joy, fulfillment. Um, and if doing independent films is what brings you joy and fulfillment, then you don't let that go. 
and you grow and you evolve and you do one project and you think, well, that was, that really sucked. But wow, I, I, <laughs> I really learned a lot about how <laughs> shitty that really was, but I learned from that. And then you do the next one and then you do the next one and then you expand your network and you create your collaborations. And then there's the potential of, of the artist finding their sweet spot. You know, it's that spot where you say, I thought I was a good actor, but I'm much better as a writer. Or I thought I was a really good cinematographer, but I'm much better as I really would love to try in front of the camera and do something different. So as creatives, we don't have to do just one thing. We don't. No. As in, this is why I'm doing the podcast, because it's like, I have a voice, I have things to say, I have stories to tell, and to wait for someone to say, oh, you can have this script and you can show up on set and work. We create our own art in, in any way that we can. So I know that you have a film that is out right now called Negativity. Yes, ma'am. And it was done in a really unique way. Did you film that during the pandemic? Yes, I did. And I'll give you a little bit of backstory towards yeah, that. Yeah, please. So, it's very interesting. So our listeners, just so you know, our listeners, there will be links in the podcast and it will be to Jonathan's IMDB. It will be there for his negativity and his YouTube channel to you, so that you can go and you can watch all of these. So just want to make sure that they have access to that. Go ahead. Gotcha, gotcha. So right now, like negativity, I'll say this, you know, before I continue with the backstory, right now we're still doing the whole film festival route. And we just won an award uh, this weekend for best pandemic film at the Hollywood, Florida Film Festival. So I just wanted to just throw that out there. Holler, holler. And um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, so negativity originally, it was never, as you can tell, it was never meant to be because originally I was already working on another film that I'm currently working on right now called Side Effects which is based on a short film that I did five years ago. But then, you know, we were planning to do that. Like we, we had our table read and everything and then COVID happened. So within those two months, I was, and I'm sure everybody was like, I was losing my mind. I was very, very depressed because you got to understand like the fact that I wasn't able to create, I wasn't mm -hmm. able to like discuss ideas you know, a majority of us were discussing on survival and basically how are we going to continue with life. And then one day, I remember there's a show on CBS called All Rise where they were in the middle of production. It was like, you know, I think they were trying to finish. They were wrapping up the season. COVID happened and they had two episodes left to shoot. So what they did was they shot all the episodes through Zooms. So then mm. that, and you know, I know that's been done before where, you know, there's been films where a, a whole movie takes place like in front of a phone or something. I said, what if I do something like that, but incorporate the whole pandemic? Because I, I had a feeling that people were going to make movies about COVID, but my main thing was, and I, and I want to, you know, clear this up. My movie is not about COVID. It's about the people that are trying to adjust to it. They're trying Try. to adjust to this mm -hmm. new normal. So Negativity originally started as a short film. I just said, you know what, let me do something short for now until things start to get better as the years progress. And the thing was, this film is actually about, you know, a con artist by the name of Sean, who is taking advantage of the whole COVID thing because he's basically selling like fake masks, fake mm. COVID prevention pills. He's even selling the vaccine right now. Mm. And the thing is, he's basically like a low level con artist who is hustling people left and right, including a mob boss that he hustled. And he has until the end of the day to pay up what he owes. Otherwise, not only is he going to die, but his family's going to die. 
And as and this is all taking place all in one day. And uh, Sean's actions are affecting not only himself, but everybody around him. And the thing was, we shot so much of that short portion of the film. I just said, this is too long to be a short film, but this is too short to be a feature film. So let me shoot a bit more. But instead of focusing on the main character, let me focus on some of these minor characters and give them a little bit more development. And then that's when we had negativity. And then the rest is history. Yeah, it's really interesting. And when did you film it? Did you film it near the beginning of the pandemic? We filmed right it about around, lockdowns? No, we filmed it around summertime. And I remember when we were filming that, uh, the early, yeah, it was in Jan, it was July. I remember it was July of 2020. Mm-hmm. And when we were shooting like the early stuff, it was just me, the lead actor, and the DP. There oh. was we like all the actors. Well, majority of the actors. A majority of the actors did not meet until we had the premiere this year. We were all like basically anytime when I would film stuff, whenever um, uh, Jeffrey, the, the lead actor, whenever he had to interact with another person, I was feeding their lines to him, so he had something, you know, something sure. to basically sure. bounce off of. Mm-hmm. And it was very awkward. But the thing was, I've done so many no budget projects to where it's like basically a one to two man crew. I was just like, we can get through this. It was just very awkward because COVID was very, very, very strict at that time. So like we kept our distance, we were social distancing, we had our masks on at all time. And it was, at times it was a bit rough, but we were able to get it done. Right. Well, that's one of the things we have to be aware of in this industry. And it's just in the world, you have to zigzag. Right. You you go into something and, and you set the intention that it's going to look a certain way. Uh, this is the way it's all planned out. This is where you want it to happen. And then something throws a wrench in the system and you have to be willing to just move through it fairly quickly and, and, and go with the flow and use what you have. So although you were able to film during the pandemic, and a lot of people did, to be honest with you, 2020, I was on set a lot. Really? I shot a pilot for two weeks in the summer. Yeah, I was. I had a really good year. Nice. And yeah, but but it was, you know, we social distanced. We did the, cut, the testing. Uh, I went to Mexico and filmed a Discord for a whole week. And this was all during the pandemic. And um, yeah, it was fantastic. I worked. And of course, now it's quiet. So like everything <laughs> in life, it, it just, yeah. just like now that everything's open and flowing, I'm going... Hmm. Where where's all the work? But that's that's the industry, right? It ebbs, yeah. it flows. And as creatives, we have to find new ways to keep that channel open. Have to keep it open. So what uh, so your negativity is still in the film festivals. Congratulations, kudos to you winning in that film festival. And it's a fantastic one. Actually, I I won a film in that one as well. Uh Back in the nineties, oh yeah, and then went off to, and then it went off to the New York Film Festival, and it won there as well. And uh, so, it, film festivals are fantastic. So, any of you who are out there listening, don't plug into those. I highly encourage you finding a way to do that. And uh, and there's usually some in in your market somewhere. So now, this one that you just talked about that you're working on now was a short film, but that won fourteen awards. Yeah, that's called Side Effects, and actually, that is available right now online. You could find it on YouTube. Mm-hmm. That um, that I was not expecting to get the reaction that it got because the thing was when when I did the film, I basically did it for shits and giggles because at the time mm-hmm. I had just did like a really dramatic short film and I'm like I want to do something fun I want to do something like comedic but something to my taste so when I did that film like 
it was very over the top, very wacky. We were constantly breaking the fourth wall. It's a lot of like, yeah, like there's no. I love that. I just, I love that as an actor. It's like, come on, just break the fourth wall. It's such a juice. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I'll <laughs> say this line. Like there's a line where it was just like so, so subliminal where one of the main villains is cussing out one of the main characters in Spanish, threatening him in Spanish. And the main character goes, look, look, I, I don't speak Spanish. Okay. Like the subtitles are going way too fast. Yeah. So like it's, it's like little jokes like that. And I thought people were going to crap on it. I really thought people were going to be like, oh, this is so stupid. This is so over the top. This doesn't make any sense. And I remember when we debuted it, we debuted at, um, at the Filmgate Film Festival in Miami. Uh, I'm not moving to L.A. We won practically all the awards. We won Best Actor, Best Actress, Best Audience Award. I was like, eh? What? And then and then we submitted it to other film festivals and we were winning awards left and right. The actors yeah. were winning awards. And that's when, you know, also with my um my co-writer and lead actor, David De La Fe, shout outs to him, he convinced me, let's t- turn this into something bigger. Let's see if we can make this into a feature. And mm. we were basically developing the, the full-length feature script ourselves in 2019, and we were ready to go to shoot in 2020, and then COVID happened. Mm-hmm. And I just told everybody, look, let me just get through negativity. Once I'm done with negativity, now we can start shooting. And we, you know, we just started shooting and now we're good to go. Yeah. You know, I was talking to a casting director, uh, gosh, it was a couple of months ago, and she'll be a guest on the show coming up as well, that she, it's not uncommon for them to see a script on their desk. And then 10 years later, they go, oh, wow, they're, they're, they're pulling that script back out and we're moving forward with it. And it could be 10 years. It's not unusual for them to have something five years, six years, um, to sit and wait for, for them to say, okay, we're moving forward with production. Let's get going on, on the casting of this. So sometimes, you know, when we have an expectation or we have a desire for our, our creations to go a certain way and it doesn't, right? Something trips us up. It doesn't mean it's not supposed to happen. And I really want every creative out there to hear this loud and clear. Just if you're, if you're not booking right now, it's not because you're not going to. It just means not now. If your film was written and you're ready to film it and something happens, it doesn't mean it's not supposed to. It is so easy to go into that negative mindset and say, well, it didn't happen because that's not what I'm supposed to do. It's not what I'm supposed to be. I can, I'm guilty of it. I'll be flat out honest with, with my audience that I can go down into those depressive modes because I just want to act. I love acting. And when I can go through like audition after audition after, and you're not booking, not booking, not booking. It's like, whoa, is that the universe telling me done girl, check out, find something else, go work at the library if you like stories so much. (laughs) And it took me down recently. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm supposed to go do something else. And rather than that knee-jerk reaction of, okay, how do I quit my dreams and go do something else? It was just, no, no, go back to your base. Go back to what you know. For me, it's going into my spirituality. It's going into my quiet. It's going into my writing. It's going into my walking. It's getting in nature and really listening to my soul. And my soul wants to tell stories. I like that. It wants... When I say that, it's like my my whole body just lights up because it wants to tell stories. And 
All creatives are like that. They want to tell a story through their art, through their writing, through their film, through their clothing design. There is a vision within them that has something that needs to be said. So if it's not showing up for you in the way that you think it should, then you have to find another channel. You have to flip the script. What can you do different? Right. So this is a good, this is a big reason why I reached out for you because I said there's artists out there, there are filmmakers that need to be refueled and re inspired and go, okay, my film that I wrote now long, now is not going to be done. No, it's just not going to be done now. Yeah. But two years later, what's the cool thing is you probably look at the script different now than you did two years ago. And you probably through your life experience, through your wisdom, through your challenges go, Oh my God, that experience I had is perfect in that scene. Had you not had that two year break, you would have never been gifted that. And you know, it's funny. I'll say this too. It's I'm glad you pointed that out. I'm glad I did negativity before side effects because negativity matured me more as a filmmaker and as a person. Because I'll say this too, like out of all the projects that I've done, and I'm and I'm even including, you know, the feature from the side effects, negativity is the most personal thing I've ever done. It's the most mature thing I've ever done. I am touching on subjects that I don't feel comfortable talking about, especially like family dilemma, you know, mother and daughter relationships, mother and son relationships that I don't like to talk about. I like to stay away for personal reasons. And the fact that I was able to open up it was, you know, very hard for me, but I still did it anyway. But it made me stronger to where it's like, you know, now I'm not afraid to touch on certain subjects just because I feel uncomfortable doesn't mean the audience won't, because maybe they can resonate well to that. And two, like, it's also smart me up and just mature me a little bit more because now I see film a little bit more as a business than just a hobby. Because I, I hate saying this, but it's true, because when I started making movies, it was more of a hobby because the thing is, I do have a real job. I work in television. I work at, yeah. I work for the at news. CBS, right? Yeah, at CBS. Mm-hmm. I work there and that's basically my bread and butter. But I always told myself, look, no matter what I do, I'm still going to do this. I'm still going to do my movies. But now I'm at a point where it's like, you know what? I need to evolve. I need to basically expand. I need to grow and mature a little bit more because if I continue doing what I'm doing now, I'm going to be stagnant for the rest of my life. You know, I want to grow and improve more as a filmmaker. I want to be taken a little bit more seriously. And I also, the thing is too, it's like, it's also my way of life as a filmmaker, because when I first started making movies at 23, I was just doing it, you know, and this is true. I was just doing it just to be famous. I was like, <laughs> no, no. Like, and, 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 I, and I tell everybody that like, oh, I was just doing it because like, oh, I want to be famous. This is going to make me rich and famous. Yeah, yeah. But mind you, as you grow older, as you get older, you realize like, this is not why I'm doing this. That's not the reason. I have a voice. I have a story to tell. And I want to bring it out there to the masses so they can enjoy and understand what I'm trying to do. It's now my way of life. I'm not like now like this. is. I'm not doing this to be rich and famous. I'm doing this because this keeps me happy. It'd be, you know, it'd be nice to get like, you know, uh, it'd be like an alternative way to make more money. But like my main objective as filmmaking is I'm doing this because I want to be happy and I want to entertain the audience. Mm -hmm. That is my main goal as a filmmaker now, because I feel like I have stories to tell and I know either 80% of the audience is going to be entertained by it or they're going to be, you know, they're going to resonate well with it. You said something that I think it's, it's, uh, I want to bring this back up too, because I'm a firm believer of it. When you avoid the pain, 
in something, you deny your audience an opportunity to feel theirs. So your pain becomes your purpose. Yeah. So in filmmaking, especially as a storyteller, let's just say that, because that can cover anybody within the industry as an actor as well. And when I used to teach speaking as well, and I would tell people, when you pull that life story up, make sure that you, it's a cathartic experience to speak through your trauma, to express what you've been through, but you want to express it through the, I don't want to say a veil, although that's what I'm seeing. It's like, it is, it's, it's through a filter of wisdom. So once you've traveled through that and you've had a chance to experience that uncomfortable, difficult moment, and you've grasped your lessons, it becomes an amazing character in a film. And for you to be able to say, okay, I wasn't really mature enough to tap into the family dynamic storytelling. It didn't make me comfortable, but yet you grew incredible. And now you've broken free of that. And now you can continue to grow and evolve as a, as a filmmaker and look at the dynamics of family and in, in a different way. And it's now giving other people permission to say, go where you're uncomfortable. Go where you're uncomfortable because you will not grow if you stay where you are. And that's exactly what we're seeing happening in this industry. Yeah. You cannot stay the way you are. I spoke with my agent in um, my Southeast agent about the things that were happening within the industry and um, you know, it's been getting quiet or I wasn't booking. Can you give me any feedback? You know, how is our relationship? It's doing that real quick, you know, let's check in there, see how we are. And he said, all I can tell you is great work, but change something, change something, just do something different. So I stepped back from that and I thought, okay, do something different. Start a podcast. I was just about to ask you that. Did what he said inspire you to do this? Well. I'm a talker by nature, always have been. And I actually wanted to go back on stage as a speaker. And then I wanted to do TED Talks and I wanted to write more books and go back into that area. And I wanted to write film. But I also knew that my soul needed to be expressed. I have to verbally express. And I love listening to people and their stories because when I listen to you or I listen to anybody else, I can see their it's a gift. I can see their, um, I can see your life playing in my head like a movie. Like I can literally see stills of what you're talking about as movie scenes. And that's why I decided to do a podcast because I thought if I can see these things, then I need to also be able to articulate them so others can see it. And it doesn't have to always be on video and it doesn't have to always be in film. It can be just with a voice. And that's nice too, because with a voice, someone's in their car and they're listening and they're driving, you've got their full attention. They're not distracted. And that's kind of one of the reasons why I did it. But I also did it because it's another way for me to keep my creativity fueled and, uh, and then to show other creatives that there are other things you can do. You don't have to be silent and you don't have to wait. No, I mean, you have to create opportunities for yourself because mm -hmm. this is something that I learned. Like, listen, do not wait for opportunity. Create the opportunities. Because right. there was a time when I first started making my own movies. I didn't have, you know, I was waiting for people to like, hey, come on, let's just do a movie. Let's just do this. It never came. And then that's when I realized, you know, if I'm going to make these movies, I'm going to have to do it myself. Even if they're going to be rough, even if they're not going to be the best, I'm still doing it. I'm mm -hmm. still doing something that a lot of people just wait around and just be like, oh, I, I'm at a point now where it's like, I only live once. 
if I don't do this now, when am I going to do it? Because, you know, it's like that saying, if not now, when? Exactly. And then if you, if you procrastinate and you keep pushing it back, Mm -hmm. then when is it going to happen? And I, and now I'm at a point where it's like, look, I need to do this because if I don't do this, when am I going to do this? And you know, the thing is, it's like, it's, it's worth it too in the long run, man, is it worth it? Especially when, like to me, the best, best feeling in the whole world. And I don't know if you could relate to this is seeing what you did on a big screen in front of a crowded audience. That to me is the greatest feeling in the world, hearing the audience react to the movie, laughing, crying. Mm-hmm. You can hear someone saying something, just that vibe. That alone to me is worth all the blood, sweat, tears, and sacrifice you put into a role or a film that you did because you're yeah. there. And, and the thing is too, it's like, to me, another one, another good thing is when someone comes up to you and says, not only did you do a good job, I can relate to either the character or the film you did. Right. And that's what we do. Then that's what we have to do. This is the reason why we do what we do is because, well, if you're, some people get in the industry because they want to be famous. It's all about me. It's all about me. But I think at some point, most people hopefully will mature out of that because it isn't Mm. for you. It isn't. And it's one of the things, it's why I love uh, theater so much because I'm a theater trained actress. And it's what I love about theater is to be, to be on the stage in character and you can feel the audience receive you. You can energetically feel the trans, the transference of energy between you and an audience. And it fuels, it's like, it's, it's like you're plugged in to your audience. And, and when you're done and then you afterwards, when you, you know, you go backstage, you change, you come out and you get to meet the people that you just told a story to for the past two and two hours and to hear what they have to say. And they love connecting to the actors because they're like, you've touched them. And so they need to reflect it back to you. Theater is absolutely so gratifying. It's extremely time consuming, but, um, but it's, it's really gratifying as far as an actress watching film. Now I've never done yet my own films and, and been able to experience what you have. And, uh, even though I've got some written, it's just, I haven't moved forward with, okay, now how do I, how and when do I move forward with this process of getting that script and now starting to get it filmed. And, um, I've just been more like, okay, well, let me just have your script and I'll do it on scene, you know, on camera. But I'm starting to look at how do I take my gift as a storyteller and put it behind the camera? And, uh, but I'm about collaboration. I'm, I'm not somebody who does, I do a lot really well on my own, but I love being in the collaborative circle because we don't have all the answers. We don't have all the skills to make something come to life. That's why networking is important or going to the film festivals are important so that you can begin to develop a network of, um, of artists. And then who knows, maybe down the road, you've got five or six of you sitting around a table to do a feature and that feature takes off. And now you've got five careers that have exploded. It's just so much better to do creativity with people than trying to always do it alone. No, I agree. Trust me. And I did a lot of my early projects alone, but also it was because I couldn't afford anybody at the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, too, it's like, and this is also, you know, a sign of maturity. It's not like that. That's the one thing, too, that I, I stay away from. I've been staying away from it since 2016. Like, I understand that this is a team effort. 
You mm-hmm. have you cannot do a movie alone. I don't care what anyone says. Yeah, you can do you can be the DP and everything, mm-hmm. but you still need mm-hmm. actors. Right. You still need you still need someone to help you do one job. And it's a it's a team effort. And I like being a part of a team. I like bringing mm-hmm. a group of creative people who are all in the same wavelength. We can create some magic together. There's very little to no egos. Yes, we're all passionate, but mm-hmm. at least we're collaborating. That's what's important. And that's the thing, too, that I wish the business could stay a little bit away of. I don't like how selfish the business is at times because they have to take credit for everything. I'm, I'm, what I'm talking about is just filmmakers because I've noticed a lot of filmmakers love to take credit for every little thing that they did where I'm like, you couldn't have done this without this, this person, this person, this person. I think that's another reason why I love making films is that like I'm able to meet people. I'm able to help people. I'm able to collaborate with people. I'm able to create some good magic and bring it to life. And it's all thanks to the people that I'm working with, because in my opinion, a director, yeah, he's a filmmaker, but he's also a leader. He's also mm-hmm. leading a group of outsiders, a bunch of outcasts, and bringing them together so we can, you know, bring do something good. That's mm-hmm. how I see it. I, and also, also a babysitting therapist at times. <laughs> yeah, that can get a little hairy sometimes when you have, a, especially with artists and actors. It's like, oh, uh, it can give you, it can become somewhat emotional. I can say for can sure. I, can I just, can I ask you this? Because before I continue, like, do you study method acting? I don't study anybody's acting. I do my own. <laughs> I love that. Okay. Seriously. I, so, I love that. That is the best response I've heard anyone say. I, I've never heard anyone say that. I love that. <laughs> well, I'm going to back it up now. So I did go to college and I did, I did get my degree in theater and we did use Stanislavski's uh, method of, of acting. Um, and then, you know, I did a lot of people's acting classes and really you could go to every acting class. There's so many coaches out there, they're all teaching the same stuff. And what I think is really important is teach people to understand who they are. Teach actors how to tap into what scares them. Teach actors to tap into what hurts, what feels good. And give that, the let that be the fuel for your character. Be a good listener. Um, stillness, all of that stuff. I don't think that's necessarily taught as much in acting classes. So yes, I've plugged into a lot. There's a lot of audition classes out there. Take this audition class, this audition class. For me, I want to be a better actor. And how that for me works is I write stories. Who are these characters in me? How can I bring them to life? What is she afraid to say? What is she afraid to do? Ooh, yeah. Suzanne doesn't like to say that. Well, there's not many things I don't like to say. I'll say pretty much anything. But there are certain things that I'm like, I'm uncomfortable with doing that. Oh, then write a character for that. Bring that out. That to me makes for a great actor. And a a director to say, I'm just going to let you do. You play with this and you let me see what you come up with. Um, Of course, it has to work within, you know, the confines of the the script and the story. But it's connecting energetically to the other people in the story and making them more important. Can I just say this? Because we're talking about acting now, and this is something that I learned a long time ago. And I think all, all filmmakers should do this. Take an acting class. Yeah. No, no, because you know what too, like you'll learn how to communicate well with actors. You'll see exactly what you need to bring out the performances that you want them to bring. Because now as I've gotten older and as I've gotten more experienced, especially with a good actor, 
when I don't have to over-direct them, I just let actors do what they got to do. Because my, my mentality, especially as a director, is look, I'm going to give you the point of the story. It's up to you to write mm-hmm. the lyrics. I'm not going to over, I'm not going to be overbearing and be on top of you. Because I, I remember when I first started, I was doing that, not realizing that I was harming the actor's performance. But as I, I took a couple of acting classes and I basically was around, you know, trained veteran actors and they were telling me exactly what I was doing wrong as a director. And, you know, you shouldn't be, you should let actors live a little bit because again, too, actors are creative people. They're not no. sheep and they're not furniture. You get, if you work with the right people, mm-hmm. you can really bring out some magic. And I'll tell you this, and I'll say this, like some of the best moments in some of my previous films, even in negativity came from the actor's ideas. They did something on set and I'm just like, let's go with it. That is great. Because actors are tapped in. Good ones. Now, there, there are good actors and there are mediocre. And I don't think you can make a mediocre actor great. I think it's, you, you've, you've got that fire or you don't. You could be good, but there's some that are just great and they're, they're just naturally great. Um, I, would, I, was, I would love to be one of those greats, but I know that I'm tapped in. And actors are tapped in. And if directors could trust that, they would, they would, they could be like, see amazing, amazing work done. Now back to what you said about take a class in acting. I'm taking classes right now in directing and cinematography and mapping out stories and timelining and doing all of that because I thought because of my own projects that I want to create, um, I, I want to learn how to do that. And in my process of doing that and looking at now the director's point of view, I'm looking at my acting now from more of a director's viewpoint in terms of the beauty of the stillness, which is magical. And, and, and even something as well, like I go back and look at all my past auditions, which some people say, why do you do that? Because I like to see the growth. I like to see what worked and what didn't work. And as I'm looking at it now from a director's standpoint, I'm actually watching more of my eyes. I'm like, I'm zooming in. Where are my eyes? Are they, are they connected? Um, it makes a big difference. So we don't have to be single thread. I don't want creatives to think they have to do one thing and one thing only and to expand because that's what this world needs. We need, we need more of that. Cause I was going to say too, like knowledge yeah. is power. The more, you know, the better you'll become as mm-hmm. a person. And I think, and I agree with you. I think not just actors, but filmmakers as well, because I think they need to expand and learn right. different things, you know, with the acting, with the cinematography, even makeup, even, you know, an right. art department, like learn very, every little detail and every little information you can, because it'll make you not only into a better filmmaker, better artist, but a better person mm-hmm. as well. You know, like I, for me, I, I love working with actors. I really love working with actors. I just love discussing a character and me and this person are going back and forth with ideas on how we're shaping this character into something that I probably had a different vision of. And I'm seeing them bringing it to life. And I'm like, man, this is great mm. stuff. I love working with actors like that. And that's why, like, I, uh, there's times where I'll work with an actor. I'll, I'll bring them up back again and again because I know we have a mm. chemistry. We have a solid friendship and relationship to where, like, I don't have to, like, you know be overbearing and be on top of them. I just tell them what I need from them and they'll bring yeah. it to life. And that's a, and that's a thing that I think filmmakers need to do. You have to trust your actors. 
Do you? Yes, I understand that you have your vision and what you want to do, but give some trust because if you can trust your actors, trust me, mm-hmm. they will bring it to life and you can get some very solid, strong performances because now that level of trust is there. And for me, in my opinion, the most important thing is trust. Right. And and trust leads to vulnerability. So if you have a trust with your director as an actor and you trust the director and the director trusts you and you've built that mutual respect, I trust your art, you have the ability and the, and, and the actor trusts the director, that's when an actor feels safe to be vulnerable. Because if you start, you take away an actor's, an actor's ability to be vulnerable, you've taken away their ability to be fully tapped in and creative. They have to be able to be safe and comfortable on set to know that they can be fully expressed. And the director may not always agree with you, but at least allow your talent to feel safe enough to be able to go there. And I think that's critical in, in creating um, a comfortable set in creating storytelling that flows because you're ultimately all serving the story. The actor, the writer, the, um, the, the director, the wardrobe, the makeup, the craft services that keeps us filled up with food. They need to choose better food. <laughs> come on, craft services. Cashews, fruit, come on. <laughs> Put away the packaged foods. I think we could just talk for hours about this, but we could, we could. could. So I'm going to have to have you back. You open for that? Of course. Definitely. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much for being here. Everybody listening to this, all of his links will be written down at the bottom of the podcast. Please connect to Jonathan Vargas, amazing man with negativity now in the film festivals, 14 awards under his belt, works at CBS. He's very knowledgeable and very passionate storyteller from Florida. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for inviting me. I appreciate this. This was fun, man. (laughs) Okay. Take care. Bye, everybody. Peace out and see you on the next episode. Well, that's it for today. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode. I hope you got a lot out of it. I want you to walk away with this. You are a creative genius. Go out and create magic.